Welcome into the post game show, Hoops Post Game here on 93.7 The Ticket, brought to you by Action Plumbing, Heating, AC, and Electrical. Thanks to them again for them for sponsoring our show. Nebraska gets the victory today against Florida AM. Been a bit of an underwhelming opponent, I'll say right out of the gate. Uh, of course, this is the same Florida AM team that lost 105 to 54 to Creighton. They got to 54 once again. So there's something about that number in Nebraska. Yeah, so they, they're, maybe they're feeling good about themselves. I'm not sure. Nebraska, though, ends up winning 81-54. to 54. I am Jake Bakovin along with Austin Orman uh, in here for the Who's Post Game Show. Once again, shout out to Eric Strickland, who is going to be doing some post game shows this year as well. That is as long as he is not doing the broadcast. But he was out there uh, with BTN Plus doing the game here. Uh, once again, Nebraska improving to 2-0. Florida and m for what it's worth, falling to 0-2. Bit of a different look, different feel tonight. So I'll uh, leave lead it right up to you, Austin, to open this thing up. What are kind of your initial thoughts of uh, a bit of a blowout game, but a second win of the season for Nebraska? Yeah, another taking care of business sort of game. Nothing overly inspiring, I wouldn't say. The best thing I would say would be the three-point shooting. A couple, again, maybe quick looks, uh, not ones that I think Fred Hoiberg will be too happy about, but you end the day shooting 10 of 28 from three, uh, that's, again, 36%. You were 11 of 30 against Lindenwood in game one, 10 of 28. That's a, a healthy amount. You take 56 shots if you're in Nebraska. Um, so half of your shots come from three. That's fine. I think that's a good enough number. Probably too high for some people. But if you're going to hit 36% of them, that's breaking even. So I think that's fine. Uh, free throw shooting was good until the end. They were 23 of 28 at one point where the Huskers, uh, they finished two of eight to drag their percentage down below 70 uh, but that's without starters on the floor. So something to, to monitor to keep your eye on. Um, and rebounding. I think that was a huge positive. You do give up 11 offensive rebounds to Florida A&M. Again, most of those late. But on the day, Nebraska out-rebounds the Rattlers by 20, 55 to 35. Much better performance from start to finish on the boards by Nebraska. Yeah, I, I thought it was, a, it was a bit of a sloppy game, uh, especially to start out with. Um, so, you know, it, but it is what you kind of expect these early games. You kind of got to run through it. Nebraska, um, again, shorthanded Casey Tamanaga, not playing Blaze Kata, not playing uh, Ramel Lloyd, not playing and Juwan Gary all out for this game. So they went with the same starting lineup, uh, different guy jumping for the ball. They tried to Josiah Alex, uh, chance at it was Rick Moss lost in the first game against Lindenwood for the tip and Alec loses on the second one. So just waiting for Blaze Kata to get back, I suppose, to win those. Maybe. <laughs> Uh, not really sure. Uh, but as far as uh, starting lineup, did you have any problem with that? You feel like that's kind of where they're going right now with the, the guys that are off the floor? With the guys that are available, I think this lineup makes sense. Um, Jamarcus Lawrence still learning the point guard position. If you wanted a, a truer point guard type of guy, maybe throw Sam Hoiberg in there. But I think Jamarcus Lawrence has a little bit more juice uh, with the ball in his hands than Sam does. So I think that makes sense. TJ Wilcher, perfect glue guy. Uh, playing the two really in this lineup did his did his thing again today not quite as uh, good a game the second time out but he makes sense there Bryce Williams is your starting wing a guy that you want to feature pretty big transfer get can do a lot of good stuff for you at the three Alec at the four love it rink mast um, missed a few shots I think he would want back especially early but again did what he was brought in to do 20 points 16 rebounds uh, five of them on the offensive end, a couple assists as well. So given the guys that Nebraska has available, yeah, I think that starting lineup makes sense. Yeah, and it worked out well. Nebraska jumped out to an early lead and was able to uh, 
Kind of cruise control at some point. Again, this game a little bit more sloppy from both sides. A couple turnovers. Uh, more turnovers, I believe, in this game than they had in the previous one. Nebraska. 18. 18 turnovers. That's a lot. That is a lot of turnovers. But you kind of you kind of watched it kind of play out that way. Um, so two of them run offensive fouls by Matar Jop late okay. in the game. Um, but also eight steals for Florida A&M. So that's eight live ball turnovers on... A few of them were loose handle. A couple of them were maybe ill-advised passes, but you won't be able to survive many games with 18 turnovers. Now, you do force 14 on the defensive end, so only being minus four in turnovers makes the 18 a little more palatable in the result, but it doesn't change the process. Nebraska was a little sloppy with the ball, was a little careless with it, and some of that to me, Bach, came from just the lack of energy, right? Nebraska got itself in a lot of tough positions in the half court on offense, there wasn't a lot of, of juice with the second unit in terms of getting bodies moving, right? They didn't do a lot of creative, imaginative stuff on offense, which now you don't necessarily want to break that out against Florida A&M and, and Lindenwood if you don't have to. Nebraska got away with it, but there's not an elite on-ball creator. Jerron uh, Coleman, pretty good at it. Marcus Lawrence has some of it to him. Sam Hoiberg can slip underneath some guys, but there's not a lot of explosive off the dribble work. So in that case, that means Nebraska has to work even harder on offense, cut even crisper, uh, make sure passes are on time on target even more. Because as soon as one of those pieces is out of sync or not moving at the right speed, it just makes that next pass and pass after that, getting that that motion, that momentum on the offensive side that much harder to find. Well, and I think we saw that too. There were a few, um, you know, five minute, four minute scoring droughts as far as field goals go for Nebraska. They did a good job of getting the line and hitting at the line as long as Strick didn't drink, uh, jinx them on the broadcast, <laughs> which happened a few times. But uh, they did, I mean, they, they shot, what, 80%, near 80% from the free throw line. Um, and, you know, this is coming off a night in a season where they didn't shoot particularly well, but this last uh, game where they shot around 65%. So definitely a lot better in that category. Um, interesting to see too. Rick Moss a little bit aggressive, especially from the three point line, but just in general, um, 14 shots, uh, put up tonight by Rick Moss, 20 points and 16 rebounds. I'll be interested to see kind of what, what those stats throw him in, uh, you know, how many of the ga those games we've seen recently from bigs. Uh, but he looked at, like probably Nebraska's MVP tonight. Yeah, I think that's fair to say, um, especially early on, right? When Nebraska needed a steadying presence, I think that's what Rick Moss brings to the table. The two threes that he made, he started two for two, missed his last three, were great spot-up opportunities um, where Nebraska wants to get him the ball when they wanted to get him the ball. That was good. Missed a couple uh, you know, jump hooks, a floater or two down low that we know he has the touch to make some of those. Uh, maybe one or two of them, a, a little force. Maybe it was a, a play call for him. Thought he had a, a better angle he ended up having. But the 20 points is fine. I, I think it wasn't a, an overly explosive 20 points. It was very workmanlike. You know, it wasn't a, a you know footwork clinic or a post-move clinic. It was, he's taking what's available to him. And that's what Nebraska needs out of him. Um, to On some nights when, when the sledding is tough, to, to take some more of those shots. But I, I think the ideal range for him is somewhere in that eh, probably 9 to 12 range most nights, especially against smaller teams. Against bigger teams, if he can control the glass, be a presence, uh, especially on the defensive end, uh, positionally, and then get those garbage buckets, right? They, they, the big men have to drop off. I mean, it's an elbow jumper. They're not adept at covering in space. He pops out further for the three. Or if they have an athletic big man who wants to blitz the pick and roll, then he can slip the screen, let it go, beat early, beat the big uh, athletic guy, 
to the rim for slips. But I don't know if you'll see a whole lot of sets for Rink Mast consistently. So if that's the case, he's got to make sure his passing is on point, his screening is on point, and then maximize those opportunities. Well, and I do want to correct something. They actually finished around 70%, 69%, in fact, from the free throw line. They were hovering around 80 for a part of that game, but uh, must have dropped off as of late. But uh, for Bryce Williams, he was 7 of 7. Rink Moss did his job 6 of 6 from the line. Um, so uh, just, you know, i I, I be all completely honest. They put a few of the backups in. I know uh, they got some scoring points in there from uh, Jeff Grace and, and, and some of those guys. Um but I did miss those final few minutes, so they might have missed a few free throws there. I'm they sure. did. They finished two of eight. Is that what was going mm-hmm. on? Yeah, that, that's it. That that did not look like the the what the game that I was watching when I looked at the stats. But that makes a little sense because I missed those last few minutes. So CJ Wilcher goes one for two. Uh, Eli Rice missed two late. Kale Jacobson went one of two, and Henry Burt went zero of two mm-hmm. there at the end. All right. Well, so, you know, at least the, the story there is that your primary players were making their free throws tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the backups struggling a little bit there. But uh, Eli Rice is probably the other story of this game because the, the freshman, uh, after a bit of a timid start against Lindenwood, came out 16 points, uh, four rebounds. Uh, like like you were saying, five of eight from the free throw line, three of six from beyond the arc. Uh, was not hesitant to shoot those four of nine overall in this game. Uh Good to see Eli Rice step up. He's an interesting guy to me because, I mean, if he can kind of keep these games going, he'll, he'll be firmly in the rotation. Uh, but he's one of those guys that once you bring back Juwan Gary, uh, Kese Tamanaga, Blaze Keita, you know, there's going to be less minutes out there. So I'm interested what his role is moving forward. But if he can keep kind of what he was doing tonight, then he's going to have one. His role is to back up Bryce Williams moving forward. And I think that's still going to be there for him. He's not afraid to shoot. He's not gun-shy, and you like that. I think he was a little better on defense, maybe a little more energetic. Did contribute four rebounds um, across his 22 minutes. So a little more active there. His one non-three-point field goal was a really nice dunk in transition. Uh, Put a guy in a little bit of a poster. One or two of the threes, maybe a little too quick. Maybe could have gotten a better look. But hit a couple spot-up opportunities. Had the one where... Uh, Florida A&M went, went under. They backed too far off of him. He hit a nice little step back uh, from right in front of Nebraska's bench, actually. So you can see that he's still processing the game, the D1 game, in real time. He's still learning uh, the flow of Nebraska's offense, how exactly he fits into it. But you can see the, the outlines of a, a useful player for Nebraska, a guy that brings some real offensive skill that is more dependent on others than himself, but if necessary, can you know create for himself. Like pretty much every freshman, we're going to say needs to get bigger, needs to get stronger. Had a couple opportunities at the rim that you'd like an and one out of, uh, but that's just some weight room stuff. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I, mean, I do like, like you were kind of talking about earlier, this is not a team that has a whole lot of guys that are just going to uh, ISO you up and, and, and be able to blow right by you. Um, they do have, have plenty that will ice you up and shoot a three, as we kind of see tonight. This is going to be a very heavy three-point shooting team. I think we'll see that all year long. Um, but it's good to get the contribution from Eli Rice. Uh, as we go through the scoring category here, Rick Moss again leading with 20 points, 16 boards, 16 points off the bench from Eli Rice. The only other Husker in double digits, 15 points from Bryce Williams um, and six rebounds to go along with that. Uh, seven of seven, like we mentioned earlier, from the free throw line. Two of four from beyond the arc. Three of nine overall. Um, I don't know. I, he might not have hit his uh, field goal total that he had from the first game, but he seemed to be a little bit more aggressive to me. Maybe a lot of that is because he was getting to the line there. Uh, what did you feel from Bryce Williams, uh, a guy that I coming into the year thought, okay, 
he, he might be one of your leading scorers. Uh, I think he showed a little bit more of that game tonight, at least for me, for the kind of the potential moving forward. So two of four from three-point range, I like that. Took the opportunities that were available to him again. I think he's a better finisher from inside than what we're seeing, but so many of Bryce Williams' shots are, are going to be self-created out of that mid-post where he's going to try to take a guy off the dribble, which is where I think Bryce Williams needs that extra split second on, on a screen. Uh, he needs that extra little bit of separation. Maybe he can create it on his own. Maybe he needs teammate help to do that. But Bryce Williams has taken more than his fair share of tough shots for this team late in shot clocks, or they, they want him to get a shot up. Again, that's a guy that you can see the skill set. You can see the handle. You can see the smoothness. He's a guy that I think should have had at least one, if not two, and ones um, to maybe knock a couple free throws off that total. But, Bach, that's what the best scorers do, is they find a way to, to put points on the board. And I know that sounds reductive. It sounds simple. It's like, well, duh, they're scorers. But most guys, when they're three for nine, it's because they're passive. They're shooting jump shots. They're taking tough ones and settling. Bryce Williams was still going downhill. He was still getting to the free throw line. Um, you know, James Harden in his heyday, right? Only threes and layups. That's kind of what Bryce Williams did. I, I know I just said he took more mid-range shots than that example of James Harden, but Nebraska needed points. They had a couple field goal droughts of four-plus minutes throughout this one, but they kept adding points to the board. Why? Because even though they weren't getting field goals to drop, there wasn't much of a, a game flow, which made it hard to get any of that offensive rhythm. Early on and through about the midpoint of the second half, maybe by the, the U8 timeout, when Nebraska struggled on offense, it didn't go into a shell. It got downhill. It started uh, to put even more pressure on the rim, forced Florida A&M to either defend without fouling or go to the free throw line and get those points. Bryce Williams led the charge with that rink mast, uh, you know, six attempts, Josiah Alec, three of four from the line, even Eli Rice with eight attempts. That tells me Nebraska made a concerted effort to, despite taking half its shots from three, not settle for them. And when things were tough, they're at least tough because they're trying to get easy shots. Yeah, I mean, and, and for the most part, that's right. I mean, any game you're going to play long enough, you're going to have a few bad shots, but I didn't think it was too bad, you know, poorly played by Nebraska. Again, kind of just a tough one to read because Florida A&M, uh, if we're just quite honest, didn't have much of a shot tonight, and this game kind of got away from them pretty quickly, as you would expect. Um, so therefore, you know, it, it's kind of tough. You still, you're out there playing playing the minutes, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's not, it doesn't feel as, uh, as you know, like, important you know you're not you're not rising up to the occasion you're just kind of seeing what you can get and, and, and sometimes that's perfect i think nebraska mm -hmm. uh needs that this early early in the season um you know they've had seasons where they've played some pretty tough competition out of the break and that can that can force you into it too i thought that helped them that tournament that that uh they did around black friday last year uh, i don't think they got too many wins out of it but they were playing quality competition they went one and two they lost the first game um to oklahoma mm -hmm. pretty disjointed Derek walker comes back against memphis in the second round they lose that and then they handle florida state in the third game yeah and and they've got you know something like you got an oregon state coming up next saturday so you you've got some got some of those tournaments and fun things coming up, coming around the corner. I just think that this kind of soft schedule that they opened up with, while not the most exciting and not, you know, get to your TV type of stuff, um, is going to help. Hey man, I watched like Big this. Ten Plus for the first time in my life today. So is this the first time? I think so. I'm pretty <laughs> hey, sure it is. Uh, don't, uh, what about last week? Last game was on VTN. Well, I, I was, I was at the game that's last right. week. Okay. I was going to say, I'm going to tell Strick. 
<laughs> you missed his first game. Uh, but uh, once again, Strick did, did well tonight on BTN+. Plus. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I guess I haven't asked him, but I, I'm, I'm assuming uh, writer of Stony Brook next week might be on BTN+. Plus as well. Be. Yeah, mm-hmm. a few of those games on there. So uh, you can catch him on that if you've missed it. Uh, let's take a break here. We've talked about the guys that kind of stood out. Let's talk about some of the guys that didn't stand out, maybe didn't live up to, uh, I don't want to say live up to expectations, but we just kind of got lost in the, in, the, in a dreary game and see if, if we feel some type of way about it. <laughs> I, I, I think it's kind of interesting to break down uh, because, you know, Hoiberg's a guy, 15 points last game, only three in this game. Josiah Alec, five and five. You know, are you going to need more from that, uh, you know, once you get into kind of the bigger uh, opponents? We'll talk about that, break it down. More to come on the Hoops Post Game Show brought to you by Action Plumbing, Heating, AC, and Electrical. I'm Jake Bachman. He's Austin Orman, and we'll be right back after this. Pleased to be back with you here on the Hoops Post Game Show. Once again, brought to you this year by Action Plumbing, Heating, AC, and Electrical. I'm Jake Bachman. He is Austin Orman. And we are wrapping up talking about I guess we got two segments left, so we'll go with talking about. Nebraska's 81-54 win over Florida A&M. Thanks to the Rattlers uh, for coming up to Nebraska. I'm not sure if they'll want to again. They won't have nice things to say about their <laughs> visit after losing to Creighton 105-54 to and now Nebraska 81-54. to But Nebraska does improve to 2-0. and we went through some of the stats. If you're looking on the Sarder Heyman Jewelers video stream, we have some of the stats down below us as well. Um, but uh, let's uh, let's go ahead and jump into the question that I was kind of talking about. You two guys in specific that I wanted to ask you about um, who didn't jump off the stat sheet but still played a role tonight. Josiah Alec, five points and five rebounds. And uh, Sam Hoiberg, three points tonight, coming off 15 points uh, the other night. Uh, what are kind of your general thoughts about their games played tonight? Did they underperform to what you kind of expected based off game one? Or are they kind of role players just kind of filling their role tonight? Yeah. Both of those guys, to me, are floor raisers, not necessarily ceiling raisers. There's a, a level of general competence, a general level of just basketball IQ and knowledge of these guys know what their job is. They're going to get it done. Uh, Josiah Alec had that that thunder dunk for his one field goal of the night, three or four at the free throw line, five rebounds, not dominant, but you take that, right? For a guy who is a, a secondary tertiary, maybe offensive piece. Yeah, I have no problems with that. Sam Hoiberg, um, I think a lot of people, Bach, would say that whatever you get from him is still gravy. Now, there's no way he's, you know, one of Nebraska's top eight or nine guys. Why, why is he even still playing? Um, but again, he did his job. Florida AM hits a three, he comes right back off of movement. Sprints up from the wing to the top of the key, off a of movement, squares his feet, knocks down a, a three in, in answer. That was huge. He also ends the day with uh, four steals in, in the most Sam Hoiberg way. Uh, he has four steals and Demarcus Lawrence has three. So those two guys, you know, setting the tone at the point of attack defensively, that's what Sam Hoiberg's job is, is to hit those open threes. He kept the ball moving, you know, lost control of it a couple times. So two turnovers is more than you want for a guy in that role. Even Alec with Two turnovers is a little high. Um, obviously, you want zero from everyone. I, I I get that. Someone has to turn the ball over, but typically it's going to be your point guards or your play finishers that have the turnovers, not those connective pieces like Hoiberg and Alec who can create their own offense at times, but if you're relying on them to do it, you're probably in a rough spot. So, no, I don't expect double-digit points from Sam Hoiberg every night. I don't even expect more than a handful. 
You know, if he can get a garbage bucket and hit an open three or two, great. Same with Josiah Alec. If he can hit a spot of threes, get the garbage points on offensive rebounds, and if he has a either a smaller guy on him and he's posted up, cool, go to work. If he has a bigger guy on the perimeter and he can drive him, cool, go for it. But I'm not looking to either of those two guys for, you know, creating offense. I mean, that's why Rink Mass took 14 shots. Bryce Williams took nine. Eli Rice, as your, as your gunner type of guy off the bench, took nine. Um, but I would like to see Boogie Coleman maybe take a few more shots. Only one of three from three had a nifty step back. But that's a guy that I want to see get downhill more and do more creation. Set guys like Hoiberg and like Alec up. Well, and he's interesting because I, I think, you know, he's... He's played a lot of college basketball at Missouri and Ball State, so you kind of know who he is. Um, and that we've talked about before in the last post game show that maybe you know he's kind of the perfect role for that uh, guy coming off the bench. But you know, as as you were saying earlier, Jamarcus Lawrence kind of still learning the position. Um, you could see a point where he would take that role. Um, now we'll mm-hmm. have to see with with uh, when Casey Tamanaga comes back. Uh, you know what they're going to do with points guards and stuff like that, but. Uh, that's kind of interesting, and I thought that he had a chance tonight, maybe against a more of a lackadaisical opponent. There's there's a few guys uh, that you know play their role, and it's fine, and they, you know, but th- these are kind of opportunities to sh- kind of showcase yourself and show what you got. And guys mm-hmm. are still trying to find their roles at this point in the season, and it was kind of interesting because I do think that if you move down the line here, and again, once you get K State Tomanaga and Juan Gary back, and some of that stuff, it kind of shifts a little bit. But I think that you could see. Basically, Rink Moss and, and, and Williams, uh, who led your team in scoring tonight, be kind of those guys day in and day out. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you know Eli Rice and Coleman maybe could trade who's coming off the bench and kind of hitting the shots from night to night. Uh, but you know, I, 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 I as we as we watch these games move on, and sometimes you know Hoiberg's going to lead you with 15 points, and so it's, it's just you know sometimes it's going to be hard to track. Then there are other times where it goes. Okay, you know, this kind of looks like how I would expect it to look moving forward. I kind of feel that way with this game. And so, along with Coleman, uh, Demarcus Lawrence, uh, five points tonight. Uh, CJ Wilcher, six points tonight. And again, all filling the role, but maybe not necessarily uh, taking advantage of an opportunity to rise above that role. That's just it. No one of those those three guys um, starting the backcourt have kicked the door down, if you ask me. C.J. Wiltshire had a a really solid game one. I think that was pretty much exactly what Nebraska needs to expect from C.J. Wiltshire. He's he's a role guy. He's a glue guy, and that's fine. Um, He's he's been good in his role. I wouldn't say he's been elite in his role. Bryce Williams, taking a lot of tough shots, numbers maybe don't look pretty. I just think his experience, his poise, just how smooth he operates, I think there's a spot for him. But... Jamarcus Lawrence is the one that I think had the biggest opportunity out there in front of him. A guy that Fred Hoiberg um, and the rest of the staff have been working with to learn that point guard position. There's a lot of demands there at the as, at every level, but especially at the college level to learn it for the first time, to learn when to push, when to slow down, uh, to take the coach's play call, but also read the defense. Who's got an advantage here or there? Who hasn't gotten a touch in a while? Who needs to get one up? Who doesn't? Who's hot? Who's cold? But also remembering that at the same time, Demarcus Lawrence is more of a scoring guard. So he's he's got to hunt his own shot at some times too. So it still seems like there's not that balance of aggression from Demarcus Lawrence. Sometimes he presses, sometimes it's, oh man, you had one there. His numbers would look better if he hit a couple layups in either game as well. Had a yeah. couple opportunities that went to the wayside. The shooting will come and go. I'm not too worried about that. Um, he's either got to take a step closer or get a couple easier ones than what he is taking, but right now, 
I think Jamarcus Lawrence slides to the bench when Kasei Tomonaga is fully healthy. I think you give Kasei uh, that opportunity. But then you have to think about, well, Kasei Tomonaga probably deserves double-digit shots oh, pretty yeah. much every game. So where do those come from? Do you, do you take a possession or two off of Bryce Williams? Do you take a possession or two off of C.J. Wilcher? I, I think it comes from uh, Eli Rice for the most part. I think he's going to end up in that that five to seven shot range most night. Probably more spot-up opportunities, maybe one or two off the bounce. Um, I, I think Boogie Coleman gets a couple more. I think Rink Mast loses a few shots with oh, yeah. Kese doing more as well. So uh, there's a path there to have double-digit shots for Kese Tomonaga and get enough shots for everyone else to feel involved. But it's on those guys to learn how to be selectively aggressive, patiently aggressive, and not press too much and look for their own their own work. And it's interesting when Casey does return because I, you know, all the offseason, and and I thought he answered this kind of question with the back half of the last is as Big Ten season last year, where he was just you know averaging twenty points per game or whatever it was, and 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 consistently being Casey Tamanaga, you know, knocking down shots or or getting to the, you know, there were a few games where he wasn't, but he was getting to the hoop and making the good cuts. So in, in one way, what I'm saying is it's going to look a lot smoother with Casey Tamanaga, I believe, than maybe it looked a little bit rough at times tonight. Um, but I guess I, I want to ask you that question as as you talk about shot attempts. Are Do you think Casey, like he's he legitimately got Big Ten, like preseason recognition. Nebraska hasn't had anybody do that mm-hmm. since James Palmer. Do you, do you have questions about whether he can do it regularly, or do you think he is a bona fide all-conference guy that you expect to come in and, and shoot 10 shots at least per game? The Nebraska fan in me is jaded. We've all been there with this program. Casey definitely deserved the hype and the love ahead of time. And I should notice on the should note on the scoring opportunities, don't turn it over 18 times, right? If you can get that number down to 10 or 12, that's six or eight more shots yeah. to go around. Um, but but on Kasey, that's a guy that has all the ability in the world. You saw a little bit of the handle. You saw a little bit of the shiftiness. You saw, obviously, the shooting ability from pretty much anywhere on the court. But really what you saw from Kasey that I think this team can always use a little bit more of is movement and energy, right? Kasey Tominaga's got a good, not great handle. He's, you know, a basketball player, so he's not tiny, but he's not not big. For, for a guy playing, you know, Division One yeah. college basketball. He's a guy that is so reliant on other people to set him up and to set up his own moves with, with movement, right? Moving off of screens, timing cuts really well, finding open areas, finding open spaces in transition. I think more than anything, Kasei Tomonaga will jumpstart this team in transition, will be able to make sure their offense stays on time and on target because he's a whirling dervish. He has to be. To get his shots. That's where he he operates best. Where I do have questions is when teams switch, when they top lock him and don't let him come rocketing off those screens, when they go zone, or when they put, you know, say a, a wing defender on him, a guy that's, you know, six five, six, six instead of his size six two, six three. How does he handle that? When he comes back, he'll be the top of the scouting report. Oh, yeah. I still think teams think Kase Tomonaga is Nebraska's biggest offensive threat even though they haven't seen him these first two games. Just because these guys are scoring points, some of them, you know, Williams, Mast, Eli Rice, like, yeah, those points are out there. Someone has to score them. You don't knock those guys. But I think Kese Tomonaga coming back, if he gets his shots off of movement, off of screens, off of motion, constant activity, I think he's an all-Big Ten player. If he's asked to do a lot of creation in the half court, um, if he's asked to take guys one-on-one, 
if there's not good screening to help him get open and you know create a numbers advantage for him, then I'm worried about his ability to reach that all Big Ten level. Yeah, good breakdown. I like those thoughts. Uh, I do think it's kind of interesting too because he's obviously earned the, the 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 point where he's going to take at least you know six or seven threes per game. I always kind of thought it was kind of difficult for a player like uh, C.J. Wilcher maybe, and and I know he's expanding his game, but especially when he first was on campus, where it's like. All right, you're the three point shooter, and if you miss three of them, we're going to consider that an off night and pull you. Well, that's going to happen with Tabanaga. You know, I, there's plenty of times I go out on the basketball court and I miss my first four, and then I'll hit three out of four. You know, you kind of sometimes you kind of got to warm into it. Shooter's got to shoot. Yeah, and Tabanaga's going to get the opportunity to warm up every game, so you know he at least doesn't have that feeling kind of over his head. I think that's absolutely true, but I also would tell Fred Hoiberg that it's very important to to toe that line. Right, You don't want to rein Casey in too far, but if he just doesn't have it, if it's a bad matchup for him, he's not shooting well. Yes, you want to leave him out there because shooters shoot. His gravity, even if he's off, he knows the next one's going down and so so does the other team. Yeah. But I think Nebraska can grow into being a deep enough team that they can survive a Casey Tomonaga off night. More attention on Casey Tomonaga means if it's Jamarcus Lawrence off the ball, that's more space for his spot-up threes. It means they can't devote a body in the lane to bump Bryce Williams or dig down as the ball's going through. It means more space for rink mast. It means they have to come up a step further to give Casey an, an opportunity to lob it to Josiah Alec. It means Jerron Coleman might just be a better physical matchup for some guys. You got to ride with Casey because I think he's still the emotional spark of this team. I think he does a lot of good with his motion and movement, but if he's off or if teams have adjusted, don't be afraid to sit him down, calm him down, or just give other guys a look because I think Nebraska is deep enough to not force Casey to take double-digit shots or seven threes if he's one of seven. Uh, so it's going to be really interesting when Casey Tamanaga comes back. Uh, this is the Who's Post Game Show. Nebraska gets another win, improves to two and zero. Was a blowout over Florida A and M, eighty one to fifty four. So we're kind of projecting forward and just talking all things Husker hoops. Uh, outside of of Casey's return again, also sitting out tonight was Ramel Lloyd, Juan Gary, and Blaze Kada. Um, any concerns with Kata getting back on the court as far as he's a little bit different than their other bigs. He's not so much of the, you know, five out type of idea. Um, I do kind of think that, you know, certain rotations, certain matchups, he's probably going to be frozen out and other matchups. He's going to be the exact guy to go to, but, um, in general, offensively, how they want to do it, he might clog some things up a little bit. Getting Blaze Kata to campus was a big get, but I think he's very quickly become redundant in in too many ways. I think what he does on offense in the low post is okay. He's a solid enough screener, but he doesn't give you the pick and pop like Rink Mass does. He's not as explosive above the rim as Josiah Alec or Matar Jop, and he's not as good defensively as Jop is. You can see the athleticism. You can see the timing on the block shot from Jop tonight. So Although he got four fouls pretty quickly. He did two of them on offense, though, yeah, yeah, uh, on true, moving screens. Um, so, yes, he's going he's gonna to learn through foul trouble. So you can always use more big man depth. You never turn it down. But if Blaze Kate is not going to be a presence defensively, he was an okay rebounder, not an elite one last year. I think Mass is a better rebounder. He was a walk and foul, too, at times. He was. So you want to have him back. You want him healthy. There should be a role for him on this team. But all he does on defense is take charges, right? That's what he's being raved about for his work in practice. Yep. Like, dude, you're you're 6'11". Swat somebody. Just volleyball spike it, right? <laughs> Josiah Allen can do that. Matar Job can do that. Ring Mass can take charges, and he gives you more on the offensive end. So 
yeah, I want Blaze Cade back for his sake. I want him to be healthy. I think there's a, a bench role for him in some capacity. But I also don't think his return is, you know, something that would be holding Nebraska back. No, I don't necessarily see that anyway. It's it's more intrigued to see how he fits in with this team um, than anything with him. But obviously, again, more depth. You have enough, you know, 6'10 plus guys on campus. So you'll definitely take that. Juwan Gary, uh, him fitting back in uh, seems a little bit more smooth, kind of does the, the extra things that, you know, the extra hustles and uh, plays and all that, which I think <laughs> Nebraska's missing a little bit. He might also uh, help the, the flow a little bit better. Um, you still see him as a starter coming back in? I think I do. Maybe not. Right away, that's a guy that might need a little bit of time to to iron the shot out, um, get get in rhythm on that. He's going to be an energy guy. We we know that defensively will be big. But what I think will happen, just predicting a little wildly here, what I think will happen is once Casey and Juwan Gary are back, the lineup will kick Jamarcus Lawrence and C.J. Wilcher to the bench. So Casey will be your one. I think you slide Bryce Williams down to the two. He can play the three. I think he's big enough to do it. But I'm I'm intrigued by that size at your shooting guard position. I think Jawan Gary and Josiah Alec on the floor is going to be a lot for other teams to handle. That's a lot of energy. That's a lot of physical play coming at you from the three and four spot. Guys that can stretch the floor enough that defend pretty well both inside and outside. And then you can you can spread the floor with rink mass. You can use them as that hub. And I think there's a lot of good that that starting lineup can do together. Yeah, that that sounds like a, d- a difficult starting lineup to defend, uh, definitely for a Nebraska opponent. All right, let's take another break. We'll wrap things up here on the Who's Post Game Show. Nebraska once again improving to two and zero with an eighty-one to fifty-four victory over Florida A&M. We'll wrap it up and talk a little Barry Collier coming up next <laughs> year on ninety-three-seven The Ticket. We're back here on the Hoops Post Game Show, celebrating another win for your Huskers—an eighty to fifty-four victory. Excuse me, eighty-one fifty-four. Don't want to shortchange them any <laughs> points here. Uh, victory over Florida A&M, uh, who again I'm going to continuously just kind of make fun of while they're here in town. Unfortunately, hopefully they're not listening. Um, just, just a tough trip uh, for Florida A&M to come up. Luckily, they get to go back to Florida. So while you know we might to have- play Florida next, yeah, they go to Gainesville. Right. Well, they, yeah, they were they were talking about their schedule. They, they Iowa. I mean, they've got like a lot of tough games. Florida names making money. Well, Iowa's not, not a tough game. Iowa's money. not that good this year. Well, that's true, but they'll still probably lose by thirty. I mean, Florida names is not very good. Is my point? They're not. <laughs> Can we address this on the text line here? Yeah. Um, Sixty-two forty-seven. Look out, Casey is going to play the one for a couple reasons. Number one, Nebraska's lacked size in the Big Ten. Nebraska can go big now, right? Casey. They don't have a, the, the okay. Sam Hoiberg is the truest point guard on the roster. Sam Hoiberg is the guy you want for energy off the bench and spot minutes, not your starter. Jamarcus Lawrence and Casey in the same lineup, I think it's shredded defensively um, by good guards. Tyson Walker and AJ Hogard eat that combination for breakfast. Boo Booey goes after Casey if that's the one guarding him. Casey's going to run the one for his professional outlook to some degree too. Um, it's my understanding that Nebraska is going to give him opportunities to run the show because that's what NBA teams are looking for, right? Yeah. Casey played off the ball a lot, played off of uh, Greasel and Walker more often than anything last year. He could initiate a little bit, especially in transition, but he, he was a secondary guy that had others create looks for him. I think he's crafty enough that there's a role for him to do that. 
And even if he's, you know, listed as, you know, the one or the smallest guy on the floor, he's bringing it up more often than not. This is, I think, going to be the freest flowing Nebraska team because Casey can dribble the ball up. Um, Jamarcus Lawrence, Sam Hoiberg, Eli Rice, Bryce Williams, Josiah and Ring can take a couple dribbles. Juwan can take a couple dribbles. There's a lot of guys that can can dribble the ball up and initiate offense. The other thing is that because he's an All-Big Ten shooter, you want the ball in his hand. You can't just stick that guy in the corner, right? He needs the ball in his hands to draw eyes, to draw attention, make easier shots for other guys who aren't as good at creating. Um, Kaysay will take some some tough shots, but he's also a decent passer. We saw at times last year, he's crafty. He finds angles and finds ways to get guys the ball. So because there's not a guy like Aaron Euless who's available, who would probably run the one in a lot of these lineups, because I don't think you can play Jamarcus Lawrence and Kaysay uh, together for huge stretches of time against bigger teams, you're going to see a lot of Casey Tomanaga at the one. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you, and, I, and, and yeah, I, I think again, a part of that is is to prove that he can do it. But the other part, you hit on the nail on the head. They don't have like a natural number one, so it's not like he's taking somebody's spot. And it also doesn't mean you know it's especially the way Nebraska's playing. It's it's modern. It's it, you know it's spread it out. Whoever brings up the ball, you know, it it does. It's not. You know, you're in this box of being a point guard. And so that's, we're going to expect you to do all of that the whole time, mm-hmm. be ball dominant and find, you know, and, and set up the plays and set up the offense and all that. Not necessarily the case with this offense, with this personnel, but part of the reason he's going to be number one is because they don't have a true number one, which is fine. And because they've got a lot of guys that can bring the ball up. Right. It's not positionless basketball by any stretch of the imagination, it's versatile basketball, guys that can do different things. And I think this Nebraska team is unselfish enough. We've seen that in these first couple games. They had, what, 19, 18 or 19 assists on 27 made baskets against Lindenwood. They had 15 assists on 23 made baskets. Nice. So you're assisting 60, 65, almost 70% of the time. That tells you that there's not just one guy handling the ball, right? It's not Carson Edwards, Purdue. It's not Cassius Winston, Michigan State. You have a lot of guys making the right play. So just because... Casey Tomonaga, you know, might bring the ball up more than other guys. Doesn't make him a true point guard, but Nebraska's not necessarily running a true one, two, three, four, five system, right? I, I think we need to move away from that classification in a lot of ways. Like, like, yes, it's simple, it's straightforward, it's easy to understand. But I like to look at guys in in three categories. You have your guards, you have wings, and you have bigs. Sure, there's going to be some overlap, um, but the other thing is you look at it as ball handlers, and play finishers, right? Yes, again, there's some overlap to some degree, and it, it changes from lineup to lineup. Casey Tomonaga can be both. Yeah. Uh, before we get out of here, I did want to say congratulations to former Nebraska coach Barry Collier, uh, who has been the AD at Butler for quite some time. He's set to retire in April now. He made the announcement in the last couple of days. Uh, Barry Collier has is, is uh, what they call a, a Butler man. I mean, they very, they very much like him. He caught the Butler way is what they say uh, for Barry Collier out there. So they they I mean, he is uh, might might get a statue out there for how well he's done. If you remember, he was the coach at Butler uh, from 1989 to to 2000, and then mm-hmm. Nebraska picked him up because he'd done such a good job uh, at Butler, um, going to conference tournament. I mean, winning the conference a few times too in the last four seasons there. Came to Nebraska from 2000 to 2006, 89 and 91, 36 and 60 conference record. Uh, never really got much going at Nebraska, unfortunately, as a coach. 
Uh, did recruit a few guys, Alex March, which we could bring up. Who had the last 20 and 15 game, went for 32 yes. and 18 against Missouri in 2008. So Rink Mast stops a 15-year drought of 20 and 15 games. Yeah, that's crazy. I, th- I, I thought maybe Derek Walker. Other than that, I'm not sure Nebraska's had a big since March that would uh, be able to put up would put up those numbers. But um, so very cool stuff. Very calling the AD. By the way, the reason why they love him, uh, he hired Brad Stevens and Chris Holtman. Uh, and most recently, Thad Mata, which, you know, that's a good enough hire in and of its own. But Brad Stevens and Chris Holtman, very great hires at Butler, used those, that job to, to step up for sure. You know what else Barry Collier did? Screwed Nebraska over in the NIT. He was on the <laughs> NIT selection committee after that 2017-18 season. He's the one that gave Nebraska the four seed. It is only Barry Collier's fault. He's bi- He was bitter about Nebraska letting him go, man. He was. Yeah. I-, I guarantee it. You know, that, that Nebraska team deserved to host more than one game in the NIT. Blaine Barry. They should have made the NCAA tournament. Oh, there's but, uh, that part. There's that too. But the NIT didn't do him any favors. Uh, but uh, anyways, congratulations to Barry Collier here on a uh, post-Husker Hoop show. So uh, we can we can jump back in time a little bit too. Uh, but we will wrap it up with that here on 93.7 The Ticket. This has been the Hoops Post Game Show brought to you by Action Plumbing, Heating, AC, and Electrical. I'm Jake Balkovin. He is Austin Orman, Nebraska. Moving on 2-0 uh, within a, a victory today. Over Florida A&M, uh, they set their sights on Ryder on Monday. They'll play Sto- Stony Brook on Wednesday, uh, but wrapping it up for the week uh, here on a Thursday. Any final thoughts, Austin, before we get ready for Ryder on Monday? You know, just another another day at the office for Nebraska basketball. Again, still plenty to clean up for this team. Got to take better care of the ball. Um Got to have energy on offense, even even on defense, right? Create more easy opportunities. Only nine fast break points for Nebraska out of 84. I don't say this team is leaving a lot on the table, but I think there are a couple possessions here and there on both sides of the ball that if they can get cleaned up in these first few games, get that sense of urgency for all 40 minutes, everything this team wants to accomplish is on the table in front of it. Yeah, I can't wait for the season. It's uh, any day with the Husker basketball game is better than a day without it, so I had a good day. Uh, that'll wrap it up for Nebraska's uh, victory again here over Florida A&M. They move on to 2-0. That'll wrap it up for us here on the Hoops Post Game Show. We'll be back on Monday uh, following their game against Ryder. And uh, for 93.7 The Ticket today, that'll wrap it up as well, but we'll be back early in the morning for early break. Don't miss anything. Of course, it will be a game, uh, a day full of looking ahead to the Maryland game, a pivotal game for Nebraska on Saturday. So we'll do all that tomorrow uh, for us here at The Ticket. Good night for tonight. <laughs>